Welcome back to Confessions from the Sidelines. And I'm your host, Sarah L. Cowart. I'm thrilled to share today's episode with you. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our partners. I love shopping online at Thrive Market. Thrive Market is an online membership-based market on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. You can enjoy member-only prices where members save an average of $32 on every order. I love that you can choose your membership term for me. I went with the 12-month membership because it comes down just to $5 per month. But if you're not sure if Thrive Market is the right fit for you, you can easily give it a try for a shorter period of time. And remember, if you choose the Thrive Market annual membership, it is 30 days risk-free. Head on over to thrivemarket.com slash sidelineconfessions to get 20% off your first order and a free gift. Y'all know how much I love CB supplements. CB Supplements is a multi-collagen protein powder, meaning it contains all five types of collagen from four animal sources. Not to mention, it's NSF certified for sport and supported by Dr. Kate. You won't find a cleaner multi-collagen supplement out there. CB Supplements has been so kind to give all of our listeners $5 off your order. Head on over to cbsupplements.com and grab yours today. Don't forget to use the code Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, for $5 off your order. Now, on to today's show. Today's guest is Scott Garber. Scott is a proven connector who has spent the last six years in the sports technology space. He was a former D1 athlete at the University of South Alabama, where he had the opportunity to start their football program in 2009. Here is my conversation with Scott. Scott, welcome to the show. Uh, Sarah, I can't wait to uh, kick this off. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so exciting. I love having my friends. I love having former student athletes and coaches that I've worked with because I know that you guys have lived and breathed this whole division one athlete thing. And you bring so much valuable information to the table. And I tell you, it's uh, it's a crazy world to navigate, um, even looking back at it and, you know, going through it and now working in it. Um, I still feel like I'm learning every day. So it's uh, it's super fun to unpack it all, um, relive it a little bit and then, uh, you know, send the ladder back down for future generations to uh, learn from what what we did right. And, you know, where we could have done things a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, so talk a little bit about that because I want our listeners to know you and I met while you were a football student athlete at the University of South Alabama. Go Jags. Go Jags. <laughs> and, um, but you know, your journey, I feel like everybody's journey has a story of when they were becoming collegiate athlete. And that's the same thing with you. Yeah. So it's, uh, it all starts back for me in South Florida. Um, so, you know, unlike what folks are going through now, I, I played every sport under the sun. So if there was a puck, a ball, a bat, I was swinging it and we were playing sports, um, figured out in ninth grade that I could, uh, punt the football a little bit better than average. And, uh, you know, that quickly transitioned into a, a real path moving forward. And so, uh, was highly decorated coming out, um, you know, thought I knew exactly where I was going and what the road was going to look like, um, was committed to University of Tennessee. Um, and at that point I was sort of, the bed was made and I was getting ready to lay in it. And, uh, I got that phone call that I think a lot of athletes dread, but they know all too well, which is, Hey, there's been a new coach that took over the reins. Um, you know, we're going to go a different direction, best of luck with your journey. And so I went from high on the hog to, 
really what I'll call my first life lesson, which was don't count money until it's in your bank account. And so uh, had to do a little scramble action and, you know, sort of have some faith in, in you know, what was going to happen next, um, you know, was actually taking division three visits because, you know, as a punter, um, you know, once you say no, they go and fill the slot. So um, I was at a school in Wisconsin, um, got a phone call from Tommy Perry, who, you know, was giving me looks at University of Alabama. And, and I got this, you know, incredible opportunity that said, you know, hey, look, at we're starting the football program at South Alabama um, and we actually played Tennessee in five years. So if you're interested, you know, it's not going to be handed to you, but there is a lane for you to, to come and earn a position on the team. And, uh, and Sarah, that's how I ended up in Mobile, Alabama with piles of dirt and pictures of what the program was going to be. And, you know, now we have a stadium on campus. And so it's, uh, it was an incredible journey. Got to bookend my playing days at University of Tennessee, which was almost poetry in motion. And, uh, yeah, it was honestly like, you know, blessing in disguise, which I know sounds cliche, but uh, at the time it felt like the biggest blow. Well, yeah. And so, because that happened, remind me, that happened your senior year when you got the phone call and they were like, we're like no longer interested. It happened two weeks before signing day. Oh man. And yeah. so, okay. So, so everybody kind of understands because I do think we don't talk about this enough for specialists in the football world, because, you know, there's not a lot of you guys out there. Yep. And as far as spots at division one schools, and we also want to like rephrase this too, so that our listeners know is that football is an all or nothing sport. So when we talk about scholarships, we're talking about a headcount sport. That means if you get a scholarship at playing division one football, it is going to be a full ride. If you do not get a scholarship, you're a walk-on and you get $0 athletically. Yep. That is exactly it. And, uh, and there's blessings and curses in that, right? Like I think in everything there's, there's double-edged swords and, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I think there's, there's two misconceptions. One that, you know, all scholarships are created equal, which is not true. And the second being that when you sign on the dotted line, you have a scholarship for four years and that's not the case either. Right. So, so, you know, despite, you know, the romanticized vision of what we see scholarships to be, especially when you think about it now with the transfer portal, which wasn't around when I was playing, nothing is guaranteed. And so you're constantly being evaluated. So just, you know, signing, you know, with your initial school, that's still just the first step in this journey, right? That's just crossing the chasm into this new world. Then you have to go ahead and maintain and progress in order to keep that scholarship. So, uh, I mean, the competitive landscape of sports has changed so quickly in the college level. Um, I mean, look at, you know, what South Alabama, I believe we signed 15 transfers, you know, and so like, you know, now, you know, if you're an up and coming senior, you're not only worried about the rest of the country that that's coming in your class. Now you have a whole nother pool of, you know, folks that have been at that level. So it's so important to, you know, to stay sharp on that skill set. And honestly, looking back, that was one of the things that I was, you know, very naive to, you know, where it was like, I'm here, I made it. Oh, that's not the case. And so you were jockeying for position every single off season. And, uh, you know, it teaches you a lot about the real world, but it's, uh, it's not the, for the kind hearted out there. Yeah. And so tell everybody so that they can kind of understand what this means is from a specialist perspective. And we're talking punters, long snappers, and, you know, kickers, how many are we looking at that's on like a division one football team? 
Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's been interesting because this paradigm has really shifted now where, you know, you realize the value in field position, you realize the value in those three points that typically determines, you know, at the highest level of football, that's typically how the game's determined. And then, you know, without a long snapper, none of these plays take place. Right. So there's been a real emphasis put on this. So when you think about a scholarship, right, you know, maybe there's two scholarships amongst a whole specialist group. Now they'll invite the sink, you know, the, the whole kitchen sink to come walk on and, you know, you always need practice players, but I mean, you're, you, you got to think about it, right? Like, I mean, you have to build a business case to say that my skill set is just as valuable as the quarterback and you should spend that same capital via scholarship or money on me to, to have me a part of this team and bought in at that level. So um, I think coaches have really evolved their thought process around it. But to answer your question, you know, at a very affluent team, we're looking at three at a very, you know, sort of traditional team that's still cutting their teeth, maybe one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really tough thinking of these kids who are out there just, you know, they're grinding every single day to like make this work. And, and, you know, stories like yours pop up all the time of where like, yeah, I got cut before I even got there or, you know, and then I had to fight for my position the whole entire time that I was there because you're right. The transfer portal has become just part of the game. Yeah. It's almost like semi-pro sports, right? Like, I mean, when you think about name, image, and likeness, when you think about the transfer portal, um, there's a lot of levers just even, I mean, I'm out of school, not even a decade, um, and the game looks completely different. And so I think that's, you know, if I could send one piece of advice down to, you know, folks that are coming up through it now, um, you know, you are your own brand, you are your own product. And so, you are your own, you're your own product. And, and I think that, you know, it's no longer the singular, I am a football player. You are a student, you are an athlete, you are a creator, you are an influencer. And so there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. And I think it's, it's very important to have those priorities in line as you go into this next venture, which luckily or unluckily, I don't know yet. Um, I didn't have to deal with when I was going through the, through the journey. And, you know, and I, I want us to like land like right there for a second, because you, you brought up something about being your own brand, being this influencer, being this person that like people talk about and specifically online. And we talk about a lot on the show that it's not just about being the star athlete anymore. We're looking at nutrition. We're looking at sleep. We're looking at mindfulness. Um, how about that big word academics? Like all of these things go together. And that really helps you build the brand of who you are. Hundred percent, and and you know, like I mean, working and consulting in the space right now, you know, we we've been teaching athletes to leverage the name on the front of your jersey to impact the name on the back of your jersey, and, and I think that's where you know when you realize that you are the asset and the school is the vehicle that's when you really, it becomes empowering. And I think a lot of folks rely on, they want to be told. And as athletes, we're really good at being coached, which is great in some lanes, but in some lanes it's very limiting or it's almost debilitating because if no one's guiding you on where to go, well, then you're just sort of stuck. And so I would encourage everybody to look at your sport as the vehicle to get you where you want to go in life, right? Not as the destination. Oh, that's, such good wisdom because I'm, I'm thinking about moments when Scott walks into my office as a student athlete and we're having those conversations. I think I looked you in the eye and said, what do you even want to do with your life? Yeah. 
because that was the big question of like, yes, you are here. And we say, you know, student athletes are on campus for four to five years now, sometimes six, depending yeah. on like what's happening. But <laughs> after that, what does life look like for you? That's the big question. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's, uh, it, it, I want everyone listening, um, regardless of where you're at in the journey, to know that it's okay not to know. Um, you're still very young when you're going through these formative years in school. And so I think there's a lot of pressure to say, what do you want to do? Um, when the reality is it took me most of my 20s to start to circle around that. Um, and I would say that, you know, I'm 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 constantly evolving that thought of what I want to do. But, you know, I think what sports allows you or allowed me to do and, and folks like Sarah in my life. It was establish a foundation to build on. And that's what I would encourage everybody. Stop trying to think about uh, where you want to be. Start thinking about what you want to build on. And, and when you re, when you sort of flip that, um, all of these turn into opportunities. They don't turn into obligations. And so I think, uh, you know, if I could look back and sort of, you know, give younger Scott some feedback, it would be you know, embrace everything that comes at you. You have time to party, you have time to play, you have time to go to school, but you also have time to develop yourself. And when you think about this, as you go into the real world, you're going to go through this identity crisis. You're going to go through a big fundamental change. And if you don't have the skill set to practice mindfulness, to have breathing techniques, to go ahead when life smacks you in the face, to be able to recenter and get back on it. Um, you're, you're in for a rude awakening. So take these developmental years to really develop instead of trying to go ahead and, you know, shoot your biggest shot while you're in college. There's a big life and a long life to live after that. Yeah. Oh, that's real good. Cause now I'm thinking about what would you, you told Scott during his college years to do differently? Um, so, so I think, you know, it's hard. So much has changed even just in the short span of time. Um, but I think, you know, we, uh, we embrace this notion of being unapologetically ourselves. Right. And, and I think like I started that in college, I've really leaned into it, um, as an adult, but, um, I, I would continue to tell myself that, right. Like, I think that, embracing who you are and the dark side of who you are, the earlier you're able to do that in your journey, the more opportunities you're going to have because you show up in a very authentic way. Um, and then, and then I think for me, it's continuing to practice this attitude of gratitude. The through line of all success stems from gratitude. And that's where all these obligations turn into opportunities. And that's where that manifests from. And so when I was younger, Oh, I have to go to the field house. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to go to study hall. When in reality, there's there's so much to be grateful for the fact that you're even in this opportunity to, to realize this. And so that's honestly where I'd send the ladder back down is stop thinking about me, me, me all the time and start thinking about we, we, we. And, and that really blossoms the flower in a nice way. Oh, Scott, I can remember having conversations with you of saying, okay, if you would just go ahead and get some stuff done in study hall, then your time would be up yeah. versus you standing here having a conversation with me of like, why you don't really need to be here. But, but I will tell you this though, right? Like studying is very important in study hall, but like 
I mean, Sarah, look at if I don't take those moments to build a real relationship with the people that are advising and that are really around me, then we're not sitting here today. And I think the real juice for the squeeze in college is the relationships you're able to build and nurture in a, in a time where you don't have a ton of other responsibilities outside of the, you know, the ones that you're told to do. So although I wish I would have studied a little bit more, like we wouldn't have been here if we didn't, you know, have those moments in your offense with Terrence Timmons and the, the whole crew. The whole thing. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and that's the thing too, that we, you know, we talk about on the show, we talk about how, how, what there's so much value in the people that you encounter when you're going through these recruiting visits, when you're making your decision of where you want to play and spend these four to five years of your life where, you know, you probably are a different person when you walk across that stage at graduation than when you walked in the door at orientation. And so when you look at it, knowing who you encountered while you were there and really sitting and having these conversations lead to so much more. And that's why I tell kids when you're on campus and you're visiting and you're doing all this, you will know. You can weigh your pros and your cons all day long, but you need to go with your gut because there is a place that you belong. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think, you know, I, I'm going to peel back to, to an earlier question and I'll marry it to that. But, you know, looking back, Sarah, like relationships are the most powerful thing in this world. I mean, you know, it's, it's literally the key to success in my mind. You can have all the knowledge, but if you don't have the relationships, then sometimes you're just sitting there by yourself stewing on this knowledge. And so looking back, I think honestly, what I would tell myself to do is bring this into the digital world, build a real LinkedIn presence as a college athlete, and let these folks who want access into what you're doing give them a reason to connect with you, give them a reason to start building before you have to start asking for jobs and networking opportunities. So I would encourage everybody listening, old, young parents, kids, um, start building your LinkedIn community. Like, I mean, Twitter and IG and TikTok are sexy and fun and entertaining, but LinkedIn is the biggest gem out there. And you're one degree away from changing your life with a simple connection. So that's honestly like, if I, if you guys take anything from this, LinkedIn is the most powerful networking tool out there. Lean into it while you do have that name on the front of your Jersey. Oh, that's good. Cause I know you and I talk about that all the time about how like LinkedIn has brought in some of the guests that we've had on our show. You and I have connected with more people outside of our circles just because of LinkedIn and because of the conversations that we can have through that platform. hundred percent. It's powerful. It is. It is so powerful. And, uh, and I mean, look at like people, you're a sought after commodity, whether you're D1, D2, D3, NAIA, JUCO, there's just some allure about being an athlete. And like in our world, we feel like everyone's an athlete. And then you get out into the real world and you realize that 98% of people want what you just went through. Keep that in your back pocket. That's a real big leverage card as you start to build your brand. Well, because what is the statistic? It says that only what 7% of high school athletes go on to play their sport in college. And that's at all levels. So there's still 93% of, you know, people out there who didn't play sports in college. And when you talk about what they're looking for, we know a few things about student athletes. They're disciplined, they're coachable. <laughs> they know how to work on a team. There's yep. all these things. And you can really bring that to light if you start early and using LinkedIn as a resource. 
hundred percent. That's uh drop the mic. That's honestly one of the best, best things that I've done as a young, young adult now. And it's paying dividends on the backside as I'm really starting to flourish in, in my career. So would definitely encourage everyone to, to get into that channel. If you need help or you have questions, um, don't be scared to ask as athletes. We're very proud. We, we stroke our egos. We love our pride um, outside of sports. There's a lot that we don't know. And like, just like we want our position coaches to help get us and be prepared for that, that next play or that next game. Um, there's mentors, there's people that are looking to, to send the ladder back down. Don't be so prideful, ask for help and it will come to you in droves. Oh, we had a former student athlete that was on the show a while back and his quote was just send the email. That's all you yeah. have to do, which I yeah. thought was like, that's so true. Like that is super helpful when you do that. hundred percent. Well, Scott, you know, the podcast is called confessions from the sidelines. So I would love to know what is your favorite memory of standing on the sidelines? <laughs> All right. So, um, wow. There's so many of them, um, because as everyone knows, as a punter, you spend a lot more time on the sideline than you do on the field. Um, so I, I mean, there, I'll tell two stories. Um, one of them is, it's an in-game story and it just goes in line with being a punter. And so um, I'd always set my helmet down next to the net. Um, you know, we had an interception. I also held field goals. And so um, we had an interception. The game flipped on a dime. Next thing you know, we we got to go out there. Field goal unit. Jeff Bailey, uh, for anyone listening, they moved the net and they moved my helmet along with it. And so I was frantically, I mean, I get on the field six times a game, maybe. Um, and if I couldn't find my helmet, like, I mean, they would just never let me live it down. And so I ended up wearing a, an offensive lineman's helmet that was way too big. I could barely see. So like on film, you just see me pushing it up and, uh, you know, we managed to get through it, but, uh, but I heard about it in a big way from my coach. And it was just one of those moments where it's like, be prepared. Cause you never know when it's going to flip on a dime. Um, and then, you know, I think the best sideline stories for me always came from like the away games, um, because I would always go out for pregame before, and I would always go out and get to watch these celebratory moments. And so, um, being at the Naval Academy, um, you know, I mean, I remember sitting there with, uh, with, you know, with our deputies that, you know, we traveled with and, and it was a moment that was just bigger than football. And so every, you know, the cadets were on the field, um, and, and it just was like, I get goosebumps talking about it right now. And I think like you realize that football is just a vehicle in this game and this game is a vehicle into life. And, uh, and, and I just so vividly remember the flyover. I vividly remember the cadets and throwing the hats and, and it was just this moment of like, I, I didn't get to share it with the rest of my team. And that was one of the unique things about being a punter, but um, man, that was, yeah, it was, it, it was just so much bigger. And I think that was the first moment that I realized like, man, this is a really cool vessel to something that can open a lot of doors that impacts a lot of lives. And I think we get blinded by that. So, I mean, those are two, but I mean, Sarah, like we could have a whole podcast about sideline confessions. I don't want to tell some about me engaging with the cheerleaders or missing the net when I'm kicking, you know, those are the funny ones, but you know, it's uh, it, the sideline is where all my memories came from. <laughs> oh, being on the sidelines is so, so special. And like, I mean, I've stood on that sideline many a times and continue to also and what I do now. So thank you so much, Scott, for being here. Now, so you mentioned you are super big on LinkedIn. So I know everybody can find you there. So we'll make sure to link your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, but where can everybody else find you if they want to connect with you? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to send you to LinkedIn, right? Like, I mean, I, uh, I mean, Facebook is fine. Instagram, I'm not super active on, um, you know, but, but hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, send me an email, scottgarber40 at gmail.com. Um, super responsive. I think, you know, look at this whole game is reach one and teach one. And Sarah, that's why I love what you do. Um, there's so many predators in this space that we live in and for you to shine through and and be a Sherpa and lead people the right way. Um, however, I can pour gas on any of the folks you work with, like on their fire, would definitely love to, to lean in. So please don't hesitate. As, as your former guest said, send the email. That's right. Send the email. <laughs> thanks so much, Scott, for being here. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you have enjoyed today's show, be sure to head on over to your favorite podcasting platform to rate and review the show. And as always, I'll be cheering you on from the sidelines.